0: One day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode all right so in this episode i had the great pleasure of speaking with brody sharp brody is a physio over in australia he is also a podcast host and the host of the run smarter podcast and brody's going to share in this episode so just make sure to listen but he has a great mission for getting the word out to all runners on how we can stay as injury resilient as possible and he's going to share that vision which super excited to dive into that but also share some of the top tips that he has to help you do so this is honestly it's for runners, it's for clinicians, it's for all of you guys listening, but super excited for you guys all to get to listen to this episode. Brody, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to share your knowledge. Super thankful. And let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited today. Today we have Brody Sharp joining us. Brody is a physio and run coach over in Australia. So it is Thursday over there today. It's Wednesday here while I'm recording this. He is the founder of the Run Smarter series and podcast host of the Run Smarter podcast. Super excited to have another podcast host on here today. He's putting out a ton of great content on his podcast. So definitely check that out. We're going to interview him on all things physio, running, podcast host, business owner, all that. So Brody, thank you for being on and can't wait to get started.
1: Kristen, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to delve into today's episode. Yes,
0: yeah, so there's going to be a lot of good tips for um, runners on here. So make sure to tune in for the whole thing, but also going to pick his brain a little bit on, um, you know, being his own business owner as well. Brody, if you don't mind starting off, I like everyone to start off with their own running journey. Could you share with us, I was looking today a little bit about your own running journey, but when you got started and why you got started um, running?
1: So uh, it was probably about maybe six or seven years ago that, I stopped playing basketball. I was growing up and playing basketball up into my mid twenties and quit playing that I was playing quite high league, um, but then stopped, went traveling for six months and traveled all around North America and got very lazy. Didn't exercise, was eating a lot of cheap junk food and drinking a lot of beer (laughs) and came back a little bit sluggish and didn't have my basketball season to go back to, but at the time I returned back, my sister was training for a half marathon and needed some accountability and needed someone to share this experience with. So she asked if I wanted to train for the half marathon and yep, reluctantly agreed and started becoming uh, an endurance athlete and <laughs> managed to like six months later, do the half marathon and four months after that ran a full marathon and oh, dang, broke down with a I broke down with a whole bunch of injuries and okay. was, uh, and still are, um, working as a physio and I noticed that like, as I was working in clinics and seeing patients and whenever a runner would come in and now that I was a runner myself, I yeah. had this heightened passion <laughs> to like talk all about, you know, what shoes they had, what they're training for, what their cadence is like, what injuries they have, and just had this big passion to get them back to running. And yep. so recognize that, uh, it was bringing out my better self. It was, I was trying my best to get the best clinical outcomes for the patient and just want to spend more time around this population because I also realized after seeing so many runners that there's a lot of running misconceptions out there. There's a lot of myths and there's a lot of disconfusion around how to prevent injuries, how to overcome certain injuries. Do we stretch, ice, rest, run? There's so many different things that are out there. And so went on this mission to not only help these people get back to pain-free running, but- try and address those misconceptions and trying to educate them the best way that I can through evidence-based practice and through concepts that everyone could kind of understand. Um, yep. So that's the mission I'm on. And that's led me to just enjoying the running experience. I've done several half marathons. I love running trails. i recreationally do some triathlons as well, just mix things up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't really have much running goals at the moment. I'm um, just entered a trail run series here in Melbourne, which will go cool. over the next five or six months and yeah, just enjoying the process.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, you get started with running. It sounds like it wasn't, you didn't do it growing up necessarily. You played basketball. Did you do other sports growing up or?
1: Uh, basketball is definitely the main one. Like at school, a whole bunch of different sports, but um, outside of school, it was almost always basketball, like for several different teams and was just, I guess the the feature out of all the other sports.
0: Yeah. But then you get into running, your sister roped you into running. And then were you a a physio at this time when you started running then already? Were you already a physio? Yeah.
1: So I was a physio probably for about two or three years at the time of starting running. And so I was still seeing runners prior to that, but just didn't understand what they were going through. Like once I was an injured runner, then I could relate so much more. (laughs) Yeah, And I I got so many injuries so quickly. I had knee, (laughs) calf, like some little hip issue that was going on. And yeah, I think it just helped me empathize or just realize the the situation going on. If you have a race to prepare for, and then you get injured, and then you have to rest for a couple of weeks, yeah. how do you get back into it? And then there's the, yep. this whole like mental side of things. Um, yes. So I could definitely relate, and just that's why I had so much passion to get them back to pain free running because I yeah. share that same I share that same um, urge.
0: Yeah. I think it helps a lot when you are a runner yourself. Well, obviously. And then also if you've been injured, it's like, you can definitely relate and it, you know, helps the athlete know that you know what they're going through for sure. So then you like just dove all into running, like got into running. Then you're like, I'm going to do this with, you know, physio too. What did that path look like as far as like, what courses were you taking or what, what were you consuming to really just become like a run expert in the space?
1: Yeah. It was probably a slow burn over. I, I think still working in clinics for about Six years after that, I'm still seeing runners, just the passion just built up more and more. And I was probably about three or four years into seeing runners that I'm like, maybe I want to do this for a career. Maybe I want to spend more time or spend all my time just focusing on the population that brings me the most passion and brings me the most energy. Because one thing that I love is trying to spend all your time around things that bring your energy rather than deplete your energy. And there were, I don't want to name the type of populations that were in (laughs) clinics, but I would see certain type of populations in the clinics over and over and over again, that drained my energy. But as soon as a runner come in, I'd be buzzing for the rest of the day. And so (laughs) recognizing that wanting to spend more time around that, I um, just slowly started learning more and more. There are a ton of online courses from some really key gurus that I follow. Um, So didn't necessarily go back to uni to study anything, but just all independent study myself. Um, I made myself accountable by posting a lot of running blogs, Mm -hmm. releasing a lot of running research. And so as I started doing that and kind of wanted to build this status of the go-to guy, if you are injured with uh, a running related injury to come to me, just researching on my own, doing all that independent blogs and articles and online courses and that sort of stuff. I just naturally just start building up this information myself. And yep. yeah, I think just spending more time around runners, spending more time around injured runners, seeing what yep. works for them, what doesn't work for them, what questions they have, uh it just yeah, just slowly accumulates as the years go on.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And you're treating runners and now so now you're mainly online. How did that progress to Treating runners being in the clinic and like bring us on on that course of how you're all online and what you're doing now online.
1: Yeah, so I was thinking about going in like I was working in a private practice, going away from that and starting my own private practice. I wanted to do that, and then I made the decision: how about if I make the private practice like just for runners? And so that was the idea that I had that I ran with. Ran with that for about five or six months, trying to work out logistics, um, and then one of my other colleagues actually had his online physio business going there was 100% online but that was just for men's health and he was focusing okay. on this niche that was purely 100% online and then he said to me why don't you try online and once that idea went off it just made so much more sense because yeah. I could I'm like well what could I do with runners just being a, a pure online basis I say okay so I can do running assessments because I can look at how they're running they could send me videos I can give them, definitely give them advice. So how many running related injuries could I diagnose? I start to fit like a very generic pattern of, A presenting conditions tends to fit a lot of patterns. So patellofemoral pain, ITB syndrome, Achilles tendinopathy, plantar fasciitis, all this sort of stuff can pretty easily be diagnosed with some questions and just getting them to do some tests at home. Like, okay, maybe diagnosis wise, we could do that. Treatment wise, what do they need? Well, if they're beyond, if they're into say six weeks and beyond with an injury, they probably don't need a lot of soft tissue work or hands-on stuff. If they do need that, I could probably send them to people like their local physio and give them a handover, write them a letter to say exactly what they need.
0: Yeah, But for the
1: most part, if they've had several months of an injury, they don't need hands-on work. They need education, gait right. retraining, say strengthening exercises, a return to run program. You can do all that yep. sort of stuff online. And so that sort of started making sense. But then thinking yep. if I have, say, my followers on social media, if I have podcast listeners, if I have people reach out on my website, then I can reach the rest of the world rather than just this really tight localized pocket of my brick and mortar clinic. And so it just started making a whole lot of sense. And then I just ran with it and yeah, very happy that I made that decision.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you've been doing that like for a year, you said like last year.
1: So my, my first paid client was probably about 18 months ago, probably a bit more than that. It was probably about two to three months before COVID hit and I was seeing free clients just to see how the system worked for three or four months prior to that. And so yeah, caught the wave and then everyone went into lockdown and so they needed online. (laughs) So like, well, this is the
0: only option anyways. (laughs) Yeah. It worked out well. I'm already doing it. So cool. Very cool. It's always cool to know. Yeah. Other people online doing that. And when did you start your podcast? I guess. Oh yeah. You told me, was it right before 2020? It almost
1: coincided with the start of my online clinic. I, I did have a podcast prior to that, which no longer exists. Okay. It was just me interviewing runners, not me positioning myself as an expert. I was just interviewing runners who had really nice running stories or motivational yeah. running stories, yep. but the January or February of me starting my podcast. So a year and a half ago, yep. that was when I started the podcast and positioned myself as an expert and had yep. that mission of the podcast to educate runners as best they can to prevent injuries and overcome injuries and yep. increase their running performance. And so, yeah, very much coincided with the business.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So, and so now you're online You're doing the podcast. We'll get into a few things for the runners too. I just, it's fun to, to know the background and everything. What all do you do online then? Mainly physio stuff. or I know you have a lot of resources and stuff too. Or what, what's your main focus online?
1: My main focus as an online presence is to focus on and grow the podcast. And I I do want this path that a runner follows to listen to the podcast to start with and learn and implement things themselves, like try things themselves. Yeah to help reduce their risk of injury or help any sort of uh, gap in knowledge that they might have, bring them like, just have their own epiphanies or their own breakthrough with utilizing knowledge. Cause we know, you know, the power of knowledge is incredible. And then if they struggle, if they still struggle to overcome this themselves, then trying to find some additional help. And so the additional help can come with online resources or online courses that I offer. But most people, once they still struggle to overcome themselves. They usually reach out to me and we usually discuss a, a one-on-one online sort of physio package for them. Yeah. But always happy when they come to me and we start a consult and they're like, yes, I already know these principles. I've tried this, yes. I've tried this, I've tried this. And they've already they've already got such a really nice head start and they already fully understand. Otherwise I spend the majority of the consult actually educating them on, <laughs> you know, key principles. But a lot of them who are already come to me already I educated with those principles. So I'm just like, yes, this is really, really nice. And sometimes they just needs a slight tweak here and there, and then everything changes. And so that's a really nice path for, for the listeners and for, yeah. for the runners that I hope that find the Run Smarter podcast and find that process.
0: Yeah, no, that's nice. So it's like you have like the basics out there. You know, what he's referring to is he has his podcast and like the first 10 episodes in his podcast go over these main 10 principles that, you know, you should know to help keep you injury-free or has... In, I like, I hate saying like injury-free because it's like as, as injury-free as possible. Cause like injuries happen with running. Right. It's not like, yeah. it, it's always, possible.
1: we really struggled to, with the whole injury prevention. We say injury prevention to reduce your risk of injury, but it's always yeah. a reduction. You can yeah. never get it down to zero. It's never, it's uh, totally unrealistic to think that we can implement everything that we can and you'll just right. not get injured. It's just not something that happens, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. If you're a runner, you're, you're likely going to get injured at some point, right? That's just kind of part of the game. If you really went your whole life without getting, Oh man, if you went your whole life without getting injured. I'd be so impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I would say if you go yeah. years, several years without getting an injury, you're probably being way too conservative with yeah, your running you're goals and you're probably not pushing it enough yet. <laughs> Yeah, But I do say, so we can't get that injury risk down to zero. However, we can't educate ourselves enough that if if symptoms do start to arise, it's knowing what to do day one, day two, day three, first week to um, overcome the injury. So it becomes a five-day injury rather than a five-week injury rather than a five-month injury, because we do know that if symptoms do arise, if they do get mismanaged for so long and they get mismanaged for the first week, and then they get mismanaged for the first month, it's really hard to overcome. And that's usually where people find themselves quite stuck.
0: And then you're, you're turning into like chronic issues and whatnot. So, yeah,
1: but if you do, if you do things well and you overcome it within a couple of days, you haven't lost any fitness. You've still maintained a lot of strength and then you just continue learning from that experience and continue moving onwards and upwards.
0: Yep. Yep. No, nope, I love that. And yeah, what I was going to say too. So he has like 10 principles and he has a PDF run smarter series, but also in his podcast, he goes over them too. So we wanted to dive into a few of the principles today. And so for any of you runners out there to be helpful, and it was, it was, it was good for me to read. It's, it's always a good um, review and everything. I'm going to try to hit on some things that we haven't hit on as much lately. So let's talk about first thing. I, I feel like a lot of, it's a pretty good misconception out there. Like if you get injured, you should just rest, right? Like, oh, we should definitely like, we should take off of running or I mean, most inj- most runners just run through it. Oh, I'm, I'm good. But if it really, it starts to on go for a while, we're just going to rest it for a little bit and then come back. Is that what we need to be doing or what's the case? What should we be doing when we, you know, get an injury?
1: There's, <laughs> there's always exceptions to these sort of rules. Um, right. Stress fractures is definitely one of them. If you do start developing some bony stress and a stress fracture, you probably should rest it. You probably should offload it for a considerable amount of time, depending on how far along the the pathology is. However, this concept, this principle that I have is rest is not always best. And I try and illustrate this point, what I like to call the, the downward spiral, this pain rest weakness downward spiral that a lot of people undergo, a lot of people have when they are injured. And I have this, let's just say, hypothetically, someone goes for a run, they run for 60 minutes and they start to get knee pain. And it's way beyond what they they used to do, but they're doing a, a long run. They feel really good. They go beyond what they originally planned, Start getting knee pain. Uh, they think, okay, I've overdone it. They look back on their last week or the, their training schedule and say, okay, I know I've overdone it. Let me just have some time off. Let me, let me rest. Let me recover. Let me do, let me let my body do what it naturally does and just heal. Maybe I'll give it five to seven days and go for my next weekend run. See how it feels. Yep. What's happening there is when the knee is sore, when it's sensitive, the structures within that knee become sensitive to load. And so if you were to go for another run, the next day, it's probably quite sore because it can't the actual like structures. Now that there's maybe a little bit of inflammation or just a bit sensitive, it can't take that load. So they have seven days off, which further weakens this current weakened structure. And when you go back to running, knee pain comes on, maybe it comes on at 30 minutes because it's had so much time off and it's been deloaded so much. And then you try loading again with this 30 minute run flares up again, and then it becomes more sensitive, more irritated. And you're thinking, oh, damn, it probably just needs more time off, more time to rest. And so you take another week or two off (laughs) and then this it continues this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. And then yeah. by the time they end up going to a physio, which is maybe five weeks down the track, they're so weak. They're so like desensitized. They're so um, offloaded that they really need to start back at real basics and slowly work their way back up because they're so far down. this pain, rest, yeah. weakness, downward spiral. And yep. we see it a lot with a lot of injuries. We see it a lot with plantar fasciitis. We see it a lot with knee pain. We see it a lot yeah. with calf injuries or tendon injuries when in fact, how it should be done. If you do get knee pain at 60 minutes, the first thing you should do is probably have a, a day off, maybe just desensitize that, maybe take some anti inflamms depending on how irritable the site is. But day two, day three, day four, we need to find where your adaptation zone currently is. We need yep. to find what load oh, right. we can put through the knee that doesn't irritate things that yep. might be wall squats, that might be weighted squats, that might be a short jog. It might be a walk run for on for one minute, off for one minute, for 15 minutes. It's just finding, cause everyone will be different. It's finding where that current state is and then making you work within that adaptation zone and then working your way up from there. And so that's usually our approach. So rest, not always best. And we need yep. to avoid this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral is a very key concept that I introduce, yes, in the first ten principles, but I highlight over and over again throughout my whole podcast, and we're up to like 140 episodes or something, and I constantly <laughs> it's bring impressive
0: this up. in like a year, or I guess it's more yeah. than a year, but still, it's a lot. Yeah, but
1: You're doing it's, like it's very key, it's more than, one than of two the ones of these I a week,
0: do. more than two of these a week, then or.
1: Um, when I first started, I think the first 30 episodes I was pumping out very quickly, Mm -hmm. but I've now settled into two a week. Yeah.
0: Okay. Nice. Yeah. And like to go along with that, I know, and I've probably shared this, whether my content or I don't know if I've shared on the podcast before, but with my current injury, you know, I have, well, I have a to fashion tether. That's totally different, but Um, before I had the tear I was having heel pain and I've had heel pain on this heel before the first time I had it was like back in 2014 and at that time like I did the whole rest thing like I didn't know any better right we did the whole rest and it didn't get better and it was like the seven month process of like I ended up taking off running and then when I did just have heel pain at the beginning (laughs) before I actually tore it like I took a different approach like the active approach like actually loading it and well I mean I'd like to say it worked well it really did this was a little bit more of a freak accident happened playing soccer so obviously there were some things it was degenerative i don't know whatever stuff going on there but regardless had it not torn it i would have been back to running quicker like without the, the the whole process of resting it and then this knowing what i know now and like being like okay we're gonna load it instead of resting which seems like so counterintuitive even even knowing so like what i grew up learning just as a runner it was like oh yeah better take that off you know but a
1: lot of these concepts they do sound counterintuitive like well the the Misunderstanding, the the misconception is there for a reason because it tends to make sense, but then you follow the evidence or you follow what is actually true and that's why they're kind of created in the first place. But muscles, tendons, they respond really well to load, but the load needs to be under the right conditions. And a lot of people might think that just rest, let the body do its thing, but then you're returning in a weakened state. And yeah. unless your your return to running is extremely gradual, then it will spike up. Like you will have this spike in load and it will be too much for that structure. And then it will start becoming sore again. So, it does tremendous things if you even if it's there's a, a low grade muscle tear, just doing some low level stimulated loading is just enough to trigger those cells, trigger that muscle component to to actually start triggering triggering healing and it helps the brain as well. The brain's like, okay, we can start loading this. It's actually not getting worse. It's actually making things better. Maybe loading is good for it rather than Yeah this if you take several weeks off the brain starts to think why are you loading this This is our injured area like this is not the right thing and it will start producing pain as a result anyway and so it's it's nice to calm things down it's nice to have that reassurance it's nice to to just load it up because the body responds well under the right conditions
0: and hey if we can keep moving why not let's do it
1: (laughs) yeah of course
0: I feel like one that kind of principle that you have that in a way goes well with this too, is the one that you can, you called sleep on it. Like basically observing your symptoms over the next, you know, 24 hours. What can we learn from, from that, from observing your symptoms over 24 hours?
1: Yes. I love it. Okay. So let's just say someone has Achilles tendinopathy or any type of tendinopathy, Um, a very common pattern, a very common behavior emerges where they wake up. Yeah. Symptoms are a little bit stiff, a little bit sore after a half hour moving around, have a warm shower, like symptoms tend to go away. Then they try a run. They say, let me see how my injury goes. Let me just try a 20 minute run just to, just to see how I respond the first couple of minutes. Oh yeah. You can notice It's a little bit stiff. It's a little bit sore, but when you warm up, Those symptoms tend to subside, subside significantly and sometimes absolutely alleviate so that you're pain-free when you're running. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of people can interpret this as, Hey, running must be good for me. This must be a healthy part of my loading might, might be a healthy part of my, my healing process. I'm so relieved that I can start running again. And so instead of going for that 20 minutes, they go for 30 minutes and say, look, I felt great. Didn't have any pain, but then they start to know. Once they cool down, that stiffness, that soreness is back. And like, oh yeah, there it is. Later on in the day, they're like, oh, it's a bit achy now, but you know, it's not horrible, but I can notice it. And then the next morning, they're back to hobbling for a couple of minutes. They're back to like, they're worse. They're hobbling for longer, maybe beyond that hot shower. They're still a little bit stiff, still a little bit sore. And symptoms are worse than the previous morning before you went for that run. And this is a sign that shows that the run that you did was too much. Mm -hmm. because we're observing this, this symptoms over 24 hours and people then can then go back the next day and say, okay, my warm up took a little bit longer than previous instead of five minutes, it took 10 minutes for my tender to warm up during my run, but Hey, symptoms went away again. So I'm fine. (laughs) So you go for another 45 minute run and then you're waking up hobbling the next day and you laugh, but this is a very, very common that a lot of runners go through. And as long as they learn this principle, what we do is we use a run as a, a bit of a trial and error. And then we wait, we sit back and we don't load it any else, any other way. And we just see how the tendon responds that way we could over that 24 hours, that way we can have an accurate representation of, okay, are my morning symptoms the same as the morning prior? And if they are the same, it means that what you did in between that, those mornings has been fine. We, we don't. It's just matching those mornings and making sure that, yeah, there's no worse symptoms, especially if it's a tendinopathy, especially if it's quite chronic. If you've had it for several months, we know that you've responded well to that loading if symptoms are no worse. And so learning these principles, learning how to interpret these symptoms is very key when it comes to managing an injury.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's just, I mean, honestly, you're for the most part, like I don't, I guess I don't want to generalize, but most part, if you're just going to regular Physical therapy—they're not going to know these principles. I mean, I don't know if that's—if I'm being too harsh there, but I mean, for the most part, not really. They might just give you a return to run program, or hey, just go back to running and watch it, and you know, see how it goes. But for the most part, unless you're seeing like a you know a run spe- specialist, you know, and not even all—they're not going to know these principles really. To be honest. <laughs> it's
1: tough. It's tough to know which who who to rely on. Um, it's tough to know a lot, you'll go to five different health professionals and I'll tell you five different things. It's really <laughs> yeah. tough to, to really know who to stick with or, you know, who yeah. is the most sound starting with run like health professionals who are runners. They're probably the best ones to go to because right. others will say, why are you running? Running's bad for your knees <laughs> Running's you know, running will get you injured, all that sort of stuff. And it's yep. not really that helpful. So yeah, very hard to find someone to teach you these principles, but Hey, that's why the podcast is there, right?
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And I mean, it's just with any health issue, just always knowing you do have to be your own advocate. And I mean, I've had health issues where it's frustrating. You spend money and it doesn't get better. And I go see someone, it's just like, there's always no, there is an answer to your solution, whatever it is. You sometimes just have to find the people, but hopefully this is helping. And I can guarantee you, if you have a running injury between Brody and I, we can find you someone in your area that would help you if you need someone in person. So I I feel pretty, I feel pretty um, confident about that.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um,
0: (laughs) But awesome. So I think that's a a super helpful one. And... I like this one. I mean, I I guess it's pretty, oh, actually, well, this one's pretty straightforward, but I do feel like with my current injury, this was a big part of it. Maybe a lot of, I guess this might be a question too, like if you've seen this increase or be a part of a lot of people's injuries over this past year with quarantine and like life just changing so much, but the principle of stress less, right? Like whole principle of how much stress can affect our injuries. Um, I guess first, just because I thought of it, have you seen that be like an increase over the last year, as far as that relating a little bit more, maybe to injuries, um, (laughs)
1: It's hard to say, like you'd need to observe people like thousands of people to find like a a common pattern, but it's hard for me to know if runners are getting more injured because of such an abrupt change in the world. Maybe people are just exercising more. Like, yes, there is a lot of stress in the world, but there's also people getting out and trying to exercise more often than they usually do right so it's really tough to say it's um any other little pattern where you you really need like a huge sample of people um to to really have an accurate guess but people runners are getting very injured at the moment but i think it's them just during lockdown just trying to do more than what they're capable of yeah what
0: else can we do let's go run again (laughs)
1: yeah exactly do
0: something (laughs) is there anything else you want to add on that besides the principle like just that stress can play a role in your in your injuries and you need to consider that in all aspects of your life yeah
1: so in the earlier principles we learned that most injuries will arise due to training errors or due to any abrupt change in your training that will exceed your load capacity so most people know that doing too much too soon that running too fast that running too far trying to do too many days consecutive days will increase the demand of the body, if that demand surpasses its adaptation zone, it starts to break down rather than have this healthy build up effect. It starts to break down. And that's a very mechanical loading type of principle. But Further in, the, in these principles, we know that sometimes runners get injured without any change in load. Sometimes they've said had the same consistent 5K three times a week the entire time. They haven't changed anything, but they have this overuse injury. Why do they have this overuse injury if they haven't overloaded their body? Yeah. But we do know that there are some hidden dangers that can change your actual adaptation zone. So without you overtraining, without you changing your training load, that adaptation zone, that max line that we don't want to exceed that can actually drop. And your adaptation zone can drop based on these lifestyle influences and sleep and stress are the big ones. So sleep is the the number one recovery tool you have. If yep. you don't have great sleep, if you don't, um, have good quality sleep, your body can't switch into recovery mode and just stays in this sympathetic nervous system state where it just can't relax. It can't recover and it can't rejuvenate the load that you've had the day before. So if you've had a couple of nights where you haven't slept too well. You're just accumulating this load over and over and over again throughout the week until you exceed that capacity, until you exceed your adaptation zone and you start breaking down and getting injured. And so stress is also another one where you have this cortisol, you have this triggered sympathetic nervous system, you have these hormones throughout your body that just won't switch you into recovery mode. Mm -hmm. And so This is a hidden danger because not a lot of people ask about this. Not a lot of health professionals will ask, how's your sleep? How's your, how are you dealing with things mentally? How's your stress levels? How's work? How's your relationships? Because we don't necessarily draw to that. We just look for these mechanical external training errors and yeah. things don't make sense. And they just shrug their shoulder and say, look, we can't find a pattern, but let's treat it anyway. Yeah. But they're just not learning about these things. And I did listen to your episode where you shared about your heel pain and the the stresses you were going at the time and yeah. the, the lack of sleep that you had at the time and <laughs> it makes a whole lot of sense. And we yeah. do know by research, there's a, studies mainly done with adolescents, but They looked at the sleeping patterns of adolescents and found that if adolescents slept less than eight hours per night, then they had an increased likelihood of injury by 70%. They were 70% more likely to get injured the next week
0: if they haven't had
1: um, that sleep compared to those who have had over eight hours of sleep. So it's a huge impact. And we know that's the adolescent population. We know that's not the adult population but that's a huge finding and so we do know we need really good quality sleep we do know that that helps you absorb a lot of the load because we don't get stronger when we do those hard efforts we get actually stronger when we're resting when we're recovering (laughs) from those efforts and so if you're not recovering from those efforts you're not getting stronger you're actually breaking down and then injuries start to arise and so that's why that principle has to be in there
0: yeah. It, I mean, like of all like the recovery tools out there and especially it's just like, oh, Theragun. And like, I'm not saying don't use any of this stuff, but it's just like all the recovery methods, but it's like the biggest thing you can do for yourself is sleep.
1: Like literally. 100%. <laughs> I had this throughout December last year, I had recovery month on the podcast. So I interviewed so many different recovery experts oh, and cool. a lot of solo episodes and yeah. the, the, main number one concept, the number one lesson to come out of all of that month, it was like eight episodes or nine episodes was that sleep is your number one recovery tool. If you were to get all the other recovery tools, if you were to get like, say like your Theraguns, your, your foam rollers, your massages, like all of those devices, say saunas or hydrotherapy and all these things, if you were to stack all the benefits of all of those other devices and recovery tools, if you were to stack them up, they would never exceed the, just a good night's sleep, what a good night's sleep would do. And it just has so much impact and has so much benefit that we we can't ignore it. It has to be within, it has to be in our tool. And if something arises where you have your moving house, you've had a death in the family, you've had a job promotion, there's something stressful going on in your life. If you know that you're not getting good quality sleep, if you know that you are stressed, just don't, just make sure it's not a hard training week. Just deload yourself a little bit, still train, just have really low intensity until you can bounce back until you can start having good quality sleep again, then you can start ramping things up. And so, yeah, it's something that we need to recognize and it's just making smart training decisions like that.
0: Yeah, and this is sort of something like if you do have a coach, this would be where it'd be important to be relaying this to your coach. Like if you are having more of a stressful week so that they know like not to be pushing the bubble either. <laughs>
1: yes, good so, tip.
0: But but yeah, and like like Brody said, and I, I know I've shared this, man. This seems like I never thought that I'd start this podcast and most of it I'd be <laughs> injured from. It just happens. I just feel like I've been talking about my stuff for a long time, but like he shared, like before my tear, I went through a week of insomnia. Like, I I mean, that might've played a role, who knows? But I mean, that's kind of huge not to sleep for a week so and then my big thing with corona too is I started like not sleeping a lot I was just like really jazzed up on like my business like trying to do stuff like kind of went into that fight or flight I went into the fight (laughs) mode in corona is what I did and I have no doubt that led to my beginning of my heel pain because like I've shared before like I literally was doing way less mileage than I had in a while so just to prove that principle I don't know. I feel like that was a big part of my injury. So yeah, makes sense, but super helpful. And then let's do, let's do one more and then I'll leave it open. If there's anything you want to go over. Cause I think this one's different when you don't see as often, at least in the the three P's, the three personality types. Um, And I I thought that was interesting. Would you like to go over the three P's for us?
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. So uh, this is the last one in the like chapter 10 in my 10 principles. And there is certain personality types and very linked with runners who are this type a personality this like high achiever self-motivator very highly driven so the three p's are pessimism perfectionism and personality and they're, they're just like just to make it sort of catchy and alliterate like the, the chapter so i just thought I'd label those and <laughs> just to illustrate that outlook having a Well, first of all, we know there's a huge link between personality types and injury. We do know that if people have, if they do these questionnaires and they rank really highly in perfectionism, especially um, perfectionistic concerns, so if they're really Worried about not performing or underperforming or letting down a team or letting down something, their risk for injury is so, so high. I, I can't really <laughs> quote it, but I think it was like um, seven or eight times wow. the likelihood of injury. If you have, if you rank high in those personality traits, and it kind of makes sense because one, if you're this perfectionistic kind of personality who really strives, really driven, they're more likely going to have overuse injuries. They're more likely to push if there's. If they're getting a little bit of symptoms that start to arise, they're going to try and push beyond it. If they're injured, they're going to try and run through the injury. If they have some time off because they are injured, they're more likely to return too quickly and overdo things too quickly. And that can be a huge impact physically on someone's training overload or those training errors. But then we also know this is delving a little bit into pain science, which I've done several episodes on the podcast anyway. But if you are injured, if you have this pessimistic outlook, if you have this negative outlook towards certain injuries, it, ve- it negatively impacts your recovery. It actually delays your recovery having this pessimistic outlook. Um yeah. And we do know that the brain has a very significant role to play in your recovery. If you become fearful, if you become, um, if you think that this injury might develop, might become chronic, if you yeah. get scared to start loading it, if you start to dwell on the future, if you start to dwell on the past of what you, the training areas that you might have done, or a health professional that misled you down the wrong track, or you were told something by. A, a running coach that led to this injury. If you start to really dwell on those, those things in the past, or then you start to look to the future and the marathon that you had planned that you can't do, um, the people that you've let down, this really starts to wind up the brain. It really starts to sensitize this nervous system. It actually starts to increase pain levels. And so yeah, that we know that sense. that is a real hindrance when it comes to recovery, when it comes to actually doing some rehab. And I just had um, Rachel Zofness on my podcast, who's a pain specialist and talking about a lot to do with the brain, a lot to do with the mind, a lot to do with people's outlook on pain and recovery and how it's all linked. And if someone does have chronic pain and has had pain for such a long period of time, we start to focus away from the actual tissue injury and loading and look at that. And we start to look at their whole body and actually start to address their fears, start to address their anxiety, start to address that depression that they might have and try and kick them out of it. And we almost redirect our focus towards the rehab because it needs to start focusing on the brain and the mind rather than you need this return to run program, or you need these exercises. And so- can be quite tricky, but that's why that chapter's in there to recognize that the link between personality does increase. Well, is linked to injury. But then once you're trying to recover from injury, having um certain outlooks, having a certain personality, having a certain mindset also affects their ability to recover.
0: Yeah. I think that's important to remember to, um, like you were saying, like, even just like as a physio or when you're working with runners to, to address that part. Cause that's just like, I don't know, that's, I feel like equally important to the physical part. <laughs> if we of don't course, get that right, yeah. can't get better.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen so many runners that work with me one-on-one who have had an injury for six months, 12 months, two years, three years of this same injury. And the ones that go on to develop pain for multiple years prior to the injury, they've had a history of like depression, a history of anxiety, like those sort of mood kind of, yep. um, mindsets, which they're almost, it's almost like their default state is to catastrophize things and like really see the the negative outlook. And so when they are injured, yep. they're customed or their default mode is to have all those negative outlooks. So they're already setting themselves up for a really long recovery. And so that's where it could be really, really tricky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that would be hard to break out of as well.
1: So, yeah. And very hard to coach very hard to get them to overcome. Like I'm still trying to work on my verbal techniques to help address their situation, but yeah. they've come to me to help have their, um their plantar fascia, like start to get better. They they've come to overcome their injury. They're not here to talk about pain and talk about their mood and yeah. their emotions <laughs> and that sort of stuff. And so it's really, really tricky. And then they don't want to be passed on to a like a pain specialist because they're like, what, what are you doing here? You're a physio. Like just get me better. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's they trust quite you. tricky. They trust you, so yeah. They yeah. That's, know, that's
0: right. So. <laughs> no, nope, I think that's, that's a good last one to have in there. So super helpful. Yeah. I mean, is there any other ones you want to hit on? I think we did a good job of picking a couple and going into them. And I know you mentioned a couple and like I said, he has all these in podcast episodes as well as a document, you know, that's really easy to consume for anyone listening. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I think if I were to reiterate, maybe um, it's just to know that most often, In more cases than not, the vast majority of running injuries that are out there, they have some abrupt changes to training. It's not due to your running technique. It's not due to running strength. It's not due to flexibility. It's not due to the running shoes that you have unless you've changed your running shoes dramatically. But what comes up in the the research again and again is that it's an abrupt change to your training. You've done too much. You've you've changed your terrain too much. This abrupt change uh, has exceeded that capacity to adapt. And so- have a look back on your running injuries. You might go to a health professional and say, oh, they got you got injured because you have flat feet or you've got injured because your glutes aren't firing or you've yeah. been injured because your hips are too tight. And none of those are linked to, to injury. All that's happened is you've gone from running 30Ks a week to running 60Ks a week. And you've yeah. had flat feet the entire time, your entire life. At, yeah. um, and you've had these tight hips your entire life. All that's happened is that you've exceeded your load capacity and the body's decided to say, you've done too much. An injury arises. And so what we need to do is have better training errors moving forward and don't convince yourself that, Oh, I'm never should be a runner because I have flat feet, or maybe I should just spend all this time trying to switch on my glutes when I run. And (laughs) it's not helpful for anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but this is honestly like most of the advice you're going to get. (laughs) Exactly. Honestly. That's why I
1: have it as my last, uh, my sign off statement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like, cause this is what you're going to hear. Um, yeah. and even like just, you know, going, up, I mean, not to make this go, <laughs> go longer or whatever, but like, I feel like I've had heel pain and stuff before. And like, if ever, if any a general population is talking to me, like, and they don't know I'm a physio or something like, they're just like, Oh, have you gotten orthotics? Like, have you gotten a podiatrist? And you know, like all that. I'm like, no, like I, no, <laughs> no, I don't, yeah. I don't need to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, know. it can be tricky, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And it's just trying to make sure you have the right advice in your head and you're not just going out trying to find like I know um, you did a lot of misconceptions with Lindsay, and she mm-hmm. gave my podcast a shout out when I was listening to the episode. I'm like, yes, yes I gave myself a little fist pump. I um, think
0: um, Lisa did too. I think. Oh,
1: fantastic. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. The word's getting out. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, so like just trying to follow the right resources like if you find the right resources and just stick with them if you try and look for a whole bunch of different like if you go out and google something or if you ask on a facebook group what do we do for achilles tendinopathy you're going to come up with so much different information (laughs) there's going to be like so much contradictory information out there yes Um, but if you find a guru that you really like just follow one person that you know is evidence-based and following the right stuff, just go to that person for information. Don't go to a whole bunch of different ones because yeah, you're going to have 10 different things that are all going to contradict one another and you're just going to be super stuck and not know what to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think we talked about this on Lindsay's episode too. She was just like, you can get in a room of like the smartest, you know, running gurus in the world, smartest running PTs, and they're all going to give you something different and they're, they can all get you better, but it's not one way is going to look the same. So I don't know. Yeah. I just think that's always important to remember too.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we, we don't want, we don't want to runner to go away being confused or like have this analysis paralysis where they don't do anything because they're so confused. And so um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to keep things as simple as we can and try and keep one uniform mission or one uniform like um, direction to take when it comes to one particular issue or one particular scenario. But yeah. Yeah, the world isn't that simple, but I think if you follow, say your podcast or my podcast, where it has where it's on message every time, then yeah, uh, at least gives some guidance, it gives some clarity, gives you some control moving forward.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Awesome. So what is, I mean, it sounds like it's the same, but what's your vision moving forward with the podcast? Just grow the podcast. Basically. It sounds like, right.
1: Um, it, it seems that like I, I am on this mission to make sure that runners are well educated and I'm only just scratching the surface. I know a lot of runners come to me and say, yeah, I'm learning all these principles. This is having so much benefit, but the amount of runners I've reached so far has been so minuscule. Even though I'm on this <laughs> incredible mission to make sure all runners are really well, educated and making smart training decisions and are not overwhelmed by the contradictory information they find. So, I'm on that mission. So, it, yes, growing the podcast does reach more runners and they are getting more info, better information the, the bigger the podcast gets, which yeah. I just looked up the other day is in the top 1.5 podcasts globally. So, nice. I'm, I'm pretty happy with That's that. Awesome. <laughs> and in the mission I have, it's still scratching the surface. So, um, yeah. <laughs> continue, continue growing, continue spreading the message, still continue putting out the right information on social media. Like I'm active on Instagram and and Facebook and the like, and yeah, just as that grows, then my business tends to just grow as well. Like it just coincides because more people just reach out, more people ask questions, more people come to me saying, I love all your stuff, follow all this stuff, but I need one-on-one advice. So yeah, yeah, it all just falls into place once the podcast grows and helps fulfill my mission, makes me feel better about life. And yeah, it just (laughs) brings me more passion. Like we said at the start of the interview.
0: No, it sounds like you have like a very clear mission and vision, which is really important for business. And like, you're like, girl, this podcast is going to grow your business. And it, like, obviously you're in the one top 1.5%. That's pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was pretty uh, happy to find that. Yeah. It was nice.
0: <laughs> I think I saw. was it on your Instagram? I think I saw that on your Instagram.
1: Yeah. I found it on listen notes. So I attended like this Podfest, which is like a podcast conference. And they said, oh, you can look up how your podcast is ranking globally. Um, nice. <laughs> through listen notes and I just found it. I'm like, oh, awesome.
0: <laughs> you have any tips for anyone wanting to start a podcast?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, fine. Have a mission, like yeah. make sure it serves a purpose, make sure it addresses a need and make sure you're authentic and helping address like a, a belief. Like I, the podcast I had prior where I was just interviewing people, which really motivated with really motivating running stories. It was yeah. something that a lot of runners or some runners wanted to hear, but not what they really needed. Like it wasn't a yeah. real... As soon as they're injured, they want information, and so they're a bit more desperate. And so they, they, yeah, it's serving like a, a need and a want this podcast rather than yep. just like a, a casual sort of, you know, casual mission just for a bit of entertainment and a bit of like casual kind of listening. So serving a bit more of a mission and making sure that you you keep that mission consistent, I think. Yep. Um, and then just posting it out there, jumping onto podcasts like this and letting people know about the podcast and just right thing who Being jumps on and <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. No, I love it. I love it. Very cool. Awesome. What uh, anything else you want to make sure to share on just in general? Yeah. Anything else that is coming to mind?
1: Um, Don't let anyone convince you that running's bad for you. Don't let anyone convince <laughs> you that running's bad for your knees. I, I'd say make sure that if anyone tells you that they you tell them to listen to the podcast and listen to all the, <laughs> the researchers that I talk to that um, say the research shows otherwise.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it. They just listen to this podcast. it will be good. (laughs) And then, and then don't probably take medical advice from them if they're telling you that. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Awesome. And I know you said at the beginning of the show, um, your own goal running goals right now don't really have any currently you said, right. You're, you signed up for a few trail races.
1: Yeah. uh, I'm keeping things just, um, fun and casual at the moment. Like I never have a lot of major running goals. Like I just trained for a cycling event that happened about five weeks ago, which was like a six hour kind of ride and trained for that and had fun along the way, but I'm really just trying just to keep active, keep strong, keep having fun along the way without really having any major goals in the horizon. So yeah, just loving life at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, awesome. And if you listen to the episodes, you know, at the end of every episode, I do like to ask my guests their breaking five moment. So for you, do you have any running moment that would be a breaking five moment, something, you know, with a big goal you had, something you didn't think you could achieve and achieved or are going after right now? And it could be in running or business if you'd like, but if you have a running moment, would would like to share a running moment with our audience.
1: (laughs) I had previously had a, um, a running goal to see if I could do a 5k in under, it was like a four, four minute average, so under 20 minutes and um, trained for about, I think five or six weeks to try and do that. And eventually could, and I realized it was more the mental barrier rather than the physical barrier to try and train at that intensity for such for that period of time. And eventually got it so stoked that I did. Uh, that was probably about four years ago now, but that was okay. definitely me, me trying to tackle a goal, find a goal, something yeah. super challenging, and then do a whole bunch of research, do a whole bunch of training and then accomplish it. So I was really happy that I got no, that one.
0: No, that's awesome. Do you like doing like speed training or more the like, more distance stuff?
1: Uh, I just keep the body guessing. I like okay. doing a whole bunch of stuff. If nature I was stuff. to have a favorite, it'd be, it had to be at nature. It had to be trails with a lot of hilly terrain and then just like a, a 10k kind of distance is somewhere that I naturally fall into it's not really long not really fast somewhere in between um, as long as it's out in nature as long as I'm having fun
0: awesome awesome love it love it it's good to switch it up this isn't it's good for the body too so <laughs> yeah Awesome. Well, Brody, where can our listeners find you at? Where would be the best place for them to find you at?
1: You can search the Run Smarter Podcast, wherever (laughs) the podcasts, wherever you're listening to this or whatever podcast directory you usually go to. Definitely have a a listen to the first 10 episodes, which like we said, cover the the 10 universal principles. Even though we've learned a couple today, there's like every episode is dedicated to it. And so every episode goes more into detail uh, and it's something you need to know. So delve into that and then have a scroll through after that have a scroll through the feed to see what you're more interested in we have we have like injury specific stuff or injury or like running performance stuff or recovery stuff so yeah just scroll through the feed i think that's the the best if you if you are one to be on instagram you can add me so run smarter series is my handle and i'm quite active on that one as well so if you are one to read rather than listen then you can jump on that
0: oh awesome love it um and then anything as far as anything that you would like else that you'd like to promote or um, any resources you have that you'd like to promote or anything
1: i'd like to say start with the podcast and then see where that takes you i like people to to learn on their own like yeah. say once they start listening to the episode then they start to learn more about me they start to learn that i have a, an app i have online courses i have online physio stuff so just following that natural progression of learning more about the the Run Smarter series and the whole the company side of things itself is just a journey that you'd go on once you start listening to the podcast. So uh, just keep the message simple and um go to the, the, the I like- just be there.
0: It's a good marketing message. just keep it simple. Yep. No, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brody, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I know my listeners are going to find a ton of value and then even more value once they go to your podcast. Um and really just enjoyed getting to know your whole journey and just how passionate you are about your vision too. Super awesome. Um, and we really appreciate it. And everyone go and follow the Run Smarter podcast and let us know if you have any questions. Any final thoughts before we finish?
1: (laughs) No, I'm all good. Thank you very much for having me on. I had a really good time.
0: Yeah, this was great. Well, everyone, thank you again to Brody and we will catch you on the next episode of Breaking Five. Bye guys. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, That doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment. I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could, and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.